0: smiling faces and uh, and to celebrate singing together and we're gonna stand and sing we chose our own theme because we didn't know what the sermon was going to be about so this this one was cams we had talked about it earlier on and sort of had it in the back of our minds but um, we decided to do a whole theme that's on the worthy is the lamb so that's our overarching theme and a reminder that I um, The sins of the world were paid by the Lamb of God and that's why we have hope and why we have happiness and joy um, deep down in. So we're gonna start with before the throne of God above.
1: John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then the angel showed, the, showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever.
2: good morning everyone for those who don't recognize me I'm Jeremy <laughs> it's just so weird to look out there and see faces again Great. Oh, you know what? Shoot, I forgot the bulletin. Read our call to worship. Thank you. Okay, in our bulletins, call to worship on the first page. We'll just read it together, please. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. That's from Psalm 111. Okay, I'll just uh, open with... Oh, you know what I want to announce? Coffee's made, in case anyone didn't know. We we can serve coffee again, so it's back there. Anyways, if you just bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing morning. Uh, We thank you that we can gather here uh, once again. And we thank you that we can do it with with a little more uh, freedom again. And uh, so we just praise you and thank you for that. And uh, Lord, we know that it's, it's been, a, been a struggle for a while now. And, uh, but the one constant was, uh, was you, Lord. And we could always, could always put our, our trust and faith in you. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that we've been able to, to, uh, to endure, endure this, uh, this pandemic and, and whatnot. And, and it's great to be able to continue to meet here and get back to normal. And uh, so we just want to praise you this morning. Thank you for everyone that is here. And we also just want to want to pray for those who aren't here, who are uh, busy doing uh, vacations or traveling or visiting family or whatever they're doing. Just pray that you be with them uh, as well this morning. And we just uh, look forward to the message that uh, uh, that Ross Plues has for us this morning. And so, uh, yeah, we just uh, thank you again and pray these things in your name. Amen.
3: Scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. And it's going to be from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through verse 34. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows you need them all. But first, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This time we will ask uh, Pastor Ross Peru... Please to come and deliver the message. Ross has been here many times before, and we look forward to hearing from him.
4: Thank you, and I have been here many times before, and it's always a privilege to come. Good morning. Welcome to our day of freedom. (laughs) Oh, come on, people. It's been a year and a half. Welcome to our day of freedom. Yay! <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should wear a mask this morning or not, because when in Rome do as the Romans, right? So I was a little hesitant to come in and wasn't sure what everybody would be doing, but um, it's great. Uh, the, the rules in Saskatchewan and Alberta have now shifted, and we have a little bit more freedom now than we had yesterday, which is really good. But it's been a crazy journey, hasn't it? Just think about the last year and a half And all the things that we've had to do, all the changes that we've had to make, and all the things that have come across our path that we weren't really expecting to happen in that particular time period. So I want to do a little bit of a quiz this morning. Um, Let's see if we can get a sentence to define what the last year and a half has been like. Just think about it for a second. How would you define the last year? Well, not quite. Frustrating. One word that sums it up. What else? Learning. A year of learning. Okay.
3: Submission.
4: Submission. <laughs> Hazy. Hazy. Okay. Okay. Good. Gotcha. Yeah. Breathtaking. Breathtaking. That's a little bit of a church pun there. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Anyone else? A year of leaning on God. Okay. Well, that's good because that kind of fits in. I picked one that I thought really summed up the kind of experiences I've been having working as a pastoral counselor, as a therapist. And I would sum it up like this, why trust when you can worry? Yeah, let me say it again. Why trust when you can worry? That seems to be the theme that I kept hearing over and over again. People were worried. They were anxious. Uh, dealing with all sorts of anxiety and and uh, different types of worry. And it's just part of humanity, but I think it was thrust upon us with the COVID um, and and now we're moving into a new phase where we can start to release some of that worry But that's what I want to really talk about today And I really appreciate the theme Bonnie that uh, you folks chose this morning because even though it's not directly talking about the Lamb of God today It does talk about resting in the arms of the Lamb of God and and letting him do the work in our lives that we need I always love just uh, coming in and surprising congregations because I think the Holy Spirit plans the service better than we do And uh, I always see the themes all. Always seem to connect with what I'm preaching on. So why trust when you can worry is the opposite of what we should be saying as uh, fellow believers in Christ. Why worry when we can trust? And worry has a tendency to encapsulate everything we do in our life if we let it. It's one of those giants that will come in and start really, really small, and then it grows and it grows and it grows. And before we know it, our worry has turned into a life full of anxiety, which is not a good thing for us as believers in Christ. And so it's not new. We look at the scriptures, we find that worry has been around for a long, long time. Genesis 3, 8 to 10, it says, The man and his wife... Heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I like that, in the cool of the day and uh, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. So I think there was some anxiousness there. I think there was some worry there that God was now going to find them out because of what they had just done with the serpent. We look at the prophets, and the prophets were always talking about uh, this atmosphere of worry that was, that was encompassing the, the, pro, uh, the uh, people that the prophets. We're speaking to. Jesus himself uh, began to speak as we read that text today about worry. Paul in Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything. So all throughout the whole Bible, we get this theme of what worry can come into our lives and then what we were to do about it. And uh, Chuck Swindoll said that, you know, when we, we go through a day and we live out that day, and then we worry about what happened that day, just keeps adding to the worry of the next day, And we're caught in this cycle of worry, 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 worry. People worry. That's what we do. So let's talk about worry today. And I want to tell you a story. And uh, young people, I want you to really listen carefully today because I've got five questions at the end of my sermon. And if you can get those questions right, you get a prize. Yeah. So we'll listen carefully, okay? But uh, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about something that happened to me a few years back. I don't think I've told this story here before. It's a story that I like to tell regularly because I I learned a lot about God in it. I was on my way to Edmonton. I was uh, enjoying my ride. And as I was driving down the highway to my left-hand side, which is where the yellow line would be, I saw an animal on the road. And I thought, oh, somebody hit the poor animal, right? As I'm going by, the animal sits up and looks at me. It was a fox. So being the softy that I am, I thought, oh my goodness, somebody's hit this poor animal and it's suffering in the middle of the road. So I whipped around, came back around the long way on the two-lane highway, and pulled over to this animal that was in the middle of the road. I uh, flagged down a farmer who was coming, and I probably shouldn't have said this as I look back on it now, but the first thing I said to him was, I said, sir, do you have a gun? And uh, his response was kind of, "Uh huh? So I explained to him what was happening, this animal, and I thought, let's put it out of its misery. Let's be kind to it. And he just said, well, just run over it. (laughs) I said, no, I can't just run over it. Do you have a gun? And he just lived over there, so he went and got his gun. While he left, the fox went under my car. So I put my gloves on that I had in my trunk, my leather gloves, and I thought, well, I'll just pull this fox out, and then when he gets here, we'll put the poor thing out of its misery because it's trapped under my car. So as I reached under there to pull a fox out, he latched onto my thumb. Now I had a real dilemma. How am I? So I just pulled. I yanked him out with my thumb and got him out on the road. The farmer came. We put the poor beast out of its misery, and I went on, drove to Edmonton. Well, the next day I was having lunch with a friend and we started talking about this story. And he said, You know, Ross, he said, you really should get that checked out because if that fox was rabid, you could uh, have some problems with rabies. Well, now I started to worry a little bit because I said, Well, wait, I had rubber gloves, or pardon me, leather gloves, but I also had a scab on my thumb right where that fox bit. Could he have penetrated that scab and got into the blood system of my body through the glove? Okay, now I was worrying a little bit. I didn't know what to do. I was... uh Uh, thinking, well, I'll just go to Dr. Google, he'll help me. Well, Dr. Google didn't really help me, he scared the life out of me more than anything. But uh, I decided what I needed to do was go and see a doctor. So I went and saw the doctor, and the doctor said, yeah, I think you better get a shot for rabies, just in case, be preventative. So the good news is, they don't give you shots in the stomach anymore for rabies, but the bad news is, I couldn't sit for a while. Uh, You get my picture. So I began to think about this crazy thing that happened to me. Let me think now. The rabies usually manifests itself um, in different ways. Now, I looked at the fox in my memory. There was no body fluids on the highway, so it likely wasn't hit by a vehicle. So maybe the chances of it having rabies were pretty high. Rabies is contracted through uh, exposure to saliva. He bit me. I had an open wound. Hmm, now I'm worrying a little bit more. So I finally decided I'd call the vet. The vet said we have to get a federal vet to come and seize the animal and and, uh, dissect the brain. Sorry for being graphic this morning. And to see if this animal had rabies or not. Well, long story short, it didn't have rabies. And I was good for 10 years after that with my rabies shot. But the whole point of this is that I began to see changes happening in my cognitive as well as my emotional and even physiological as a result of the worry that was starting to come into my life. And I'm looking back on this now from what we call an anthropomorphic way, in other words, where we describe human features to God. And I think he was sitting in heaven having a really good laugh at this crazy kid who was out there playing with the fox. Worry began to captivate my life, and that's what Jesus is going to speak about today is he's talking about worry and in the context of course It's worrying about money and clothes and food and things for the days that lie ahead of us but it also applies to worry in general and uh, Paul picks up on this and he says rejoice in the Lord again. I say rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near And then he says this very powerful sentence. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what will the result of that be? He says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So listen to that again. Don't be anxious about anything, but rather in prayer, with petition, with thanksgiving... Present your request to God, and when you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when we look at the word worry from a secular perspective in the dictionary, it just means to afflict with mental distress or agitation, to make anxious. The problem here is this is a little bit misleading, because when we think of worry and we think of the word anxiety, there actually is a slight difference between the two. Because anxiety is excessive worry, and excessive worry, when it comes out into anxiety, if it's a clinical anxiety, can require some uh, help from the mental health uh, end of things. So the worry that we're talking about here today would be a general worry, not a general anxiety disorder. And people who suffer from general anxiety disorder, it's a real thing and it's a real scary beast. And um, it takes a lot of work to help them work through their anxiety and sometimes medication is involved in that. But the kind of worry that I want to talk about today is just that generalized worry that we all have. And um, here's my main thought for today. Listen carefully. Worry keeps us from enjoying what we have and robs us of our self-worth. It makes us waste valuable time and makes us forget the promises of God. So let's tear that down a little bit. We'll break it into four parts. Worry keeps us from enjoying what we have. Let's look at verse 25 again. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, so there's some authority behind this. Don't worry about your life. Now if we just stop there, how many of us are guilty? Don't be scared. Raise your hand. Yeah, every one of us, really, because it's just something we do as human beings. We worry. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll drink, what your body will wear. Is not life more important than food and and the body more important than clothes? So he's really setting us up to this whole idea of worry. Now, the word that he uses here, worry, is an interesting word. It's uh, Marin. Marin, 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 inmate. Marin, inmate. Had to read it a couple times there. Marin, inmate. Now, what does that word sound like in our English language? Marinate. So, when you marinate a steak, what are you doing to the steak? It's soaking, right? It's, it's, it's getting all of that... Liquid absorbed into the meat. Well, that's not what this word means, but it sounds the same. And when I was studying Greek in uh, Bible college, I used to try and find ways that I could remember the word. For example, thanatos means death. I just thought of Santa Claus because it sounded so similar, and it was really a good connection to my brain. So this word worry, I just think of marinate, to soak in it. But the word really means to separate or to divide. And so what worry does, it's a mental state where we're occupied dwelling on something rather than something else. So we're separating what we should be focusing on and we're focusing on something that probably isn't healthy for us to focus on. So it really means to be divided or distracted. From what? Well, from what God wants in our life. So the thought is to be mentally at ease, to be distracted, to be troubled. With the cares of whatever is happening in our life. It's an apprehension. It's a fearfulness. It's an emotional response to some sort of anticipated danger. Whether real or imagined. How many of you worry about things that haven't come to pass? You're just imagining them in your mind. Wow, if this happens, right? So that's a worry part there. And uh, in my New American Standard Translation, it says being anxious, and it's used six times. So I think Jesus is trying to tell us something here. But what worry does, it keeps us from enjoying what we have. How does it do that? Well, it divides our thinking. Instead of focusing on the good things that we have, we're focusing on the things that possibly could go wrong, or the things that we don't have, or whatever. And so worry, really then, is something that separates us from what God is intending for us to be thinking about. I had a client recently that was struggling with depression. And uh, for a big part of the session, they were describing to me all the things that were wrong in their life, all the things that were missing, all the bad things that had happened to them. And at the end of it, I led them through a little exercise which identified what did they have that was good in their life. And so they drew a column, the good, the bad, and even some ugly. But what was the good that was happening in their life? And before I knew it, a transformation was beginning to happen as they began to think about all the good that they had in their life. And they were focusing more on the good than they were on the whatever, the negative side of things. And I saw a transformation begin to take place and they left my session a different person. They were more in tune with what God had done for them and what God was doing for them rather than what was happening in the negative sense. And so that's what we need to do. And here's a little hint that will help us do that. I use this a lot for people who have come through trauma, and I have them change one word. Change the word because to the word although. When you say because, what does it do? It takes you backwards, it takes you into the negative, am I right? Because this happened, negative. Because this happened, because I did that, because she said that, because he did this. Negative, negative, negative. Change it to although, what happens? You're now in the place where you're creating meaning in the present. Despite the past. Although he said that to me. Although that happened to me. Although this. And it just really begins to change your whole demure and your attitude about life. And the worry starts to dissipate when you think about those kind of things. But worry is a terrible thing. Uh, Worry is something that's not healthy for us. Um, It heightens the adrenal glands, which cause paleness of the skin, causes extra sweating. I feel like I must be worrying today because I'm sweating like crazy. Chris, if you wanted to find me a Kleenex, thank you. I found it. Um, It's warm up here under these lights. uh, The hairs uh, stand up on end. If you're worrying, it's kind of like a coldness, sometimes it comes. Your heartbeat increases, you feel like you're going to faint. There could be loss of appetite, nausea, diarrhea, constipation, rapid breathing, hyperventilation. You're using a washroom a lot, trembling of muscles, headaches, tensions in the muscles, in the back, the shoulders, and so on. All these things could come from excessive worry. In the psychological realm, there's apprehension and dread, worrying about something. Oh, this is going to be terrible. It's going to happen. Depression can result. Restlessness obviously results. All these things take away from us what God has really intended for us to have. And that's that perfect peace that passes all understanding. The second thing we saw in my uh, little thesis there was that worry makes us forget our worth. Notice 25 again. And 26, pardon me. He says, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store in the barns? And yet your heavenly father. uh, Do they not sow or reap or store away in the barns? And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are Are you not much more valuable than they? Sorry, I'm tongue tied. So, you know, we think of creation. We think how God is looking after creation just in the natural created order. We're more important than that. And God is more involved with us then perhaps we know. In Luke twelve six and 7, it says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than the many sparrows. So worry seems to sap, take away this idea that God is in control and that God will care for us and that He, will, he knows what we need. Psalm 139, 13 says, For I formed you in your inward parts, You knitted, pardon me, let me start over. I'm having trouble today. For you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That's talking about the process of of, uh, conception in the womb. God knew him before he was even conceived. God knew him. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, my life verse says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So if God has this wonderful idea for me, this wonderful plan for my life, and if I'm just constantly worry, 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 I'm missing out on the joy that he's providing for me in walking through the fulfillment of his will in my life. It keeps me from enjoying what I have, it makes me forget my own self-worth, that I am valuable in God's eyes. I'm special. He's at work in my life. He's going to bring to pass what he promised. And then it also, number three, makes us waste valuable time. It makes us waste valuable time. There's a, 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 an actor that I really enjoy uh, watching. Some of you might say, oh, you're kidding. But I, I really like Tom Selleck. Uh, you know who he is, eh? The mustache guy. He has a a series uh, that uh, I watched one time and he's a police chief in a small town and uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on and he turns to his officer under him and he says to him, aren't you worried? And the officer turns back to him and says, will it help? And that really hit me, you know, when we worry, does it really help us? Let's just think about that for a moment. Can you think of a time when your worry helped you? Now, if it was something that you were in a position where maybe danger could be the potential, and you began to think about what could happen, and it prevented you from doing it or getting hurt, then that's a good kind of worry. But most worry that we have is worry that's out of balance. And Christ makes this reference to our inability to add a day or an hour or a minute to our life. It's impossible. We have 24 hours in a day, that's it. So we got to use that 24 hours in our day in a way where we're not spending it, wasting it through worry. Here's what one psychologist says. Not only is worry unproductive and a waste of time, it's based in negativity. Imagine dangers and circumstances magnified out of proportion. It is counterproductive to any of your desires for efforts towards building a better life. So let's, let's just sum that up. Worry is not profitable. Worry is one of the most futile or purposeless things that people can do. Unless your worry can tangibly help you identify solutions that can uh, implement to prevent a negative outcome, worry is often something that people do to feel as though they are being productive when really what they're doing is creating more distress in their life. Worry. Creating more distress in your life. So often worry is uh, something that doesn't actually exist. We're worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. It could be something that does exist and we're worrying about the outcome. But worry out of balance is not a good thing. The fourth thing then is worry makes us forget the promises of God. This is really at the heart of what I think I want to get to across to you today. Is that the Bible is just packed full of so many promises. And we have to be careful that we don't take them out of context. We have to be careful with hermeneutics that we look the verses before and the verses after and the verses over here and the verses over here. To make sure we're being consistent with the interpretation of the scripture. Because it would be reckless just to take one verse out. And claim that verse when maybe there's a verse over here that says something different. So we have to be very careful. But but we can claim the promises of God. We can stand on them. So for example here where it says that you know we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat or drink. God will help us with that. I've experienced that in my life. When, when I was in Bible school, we we didn't have a lot of income. My wife worked at the college. We brought home probably about $1,000 a month. We had... Uh, to live on that in the city of Regina. And often what would happen was we'd be, you know, we joke about this because we saw a, a video of Hudson Taylor and he says, we're down to our last bowl of rice. And we would joke with each other and say, I think we're down to our last bowl of rice. And things would happen. One day we opened the back door and there was a large grocery bag hanging on our back door filled with groceries. One time my mother sent me, a, a, or actually phoned me first and said, hey, um, I'm sorry, uh, I wrote a check for you some time ago, and it fell down beside the seat in my car, and I didn't get it to you, so I'm going to send it. And just at the right time when we needed it, the money came where we would be able to you know, buy groceries and look after ourselves. God was always, always looking after us. I remember the first lesson I learned as a young Christian, I was just 19. God had called me uh, out of a field of photography, called me to uh, the ministry, and um, he called me to China. And, I, how am I going to do this, God? I, I'm in debt. I own a house or a trailer. I've got all this stuff. And pretty soon, things started to happen. The little Sunday school class in the church raised money. And the, you know, all the little kids brought a, lo- a dollar to give to Ross, to go to China, to give to Ross, to go to Bible school. And I kept track of all of this and it's amazing. Every once in a while I have to go back to my journal and look at this because God provided absolutely every penny. I never borrowed a cent. I didn't have to work during that time except for studies. God provided absolutely everything. He cleared off the house mortgage. He, he uh, cleared off the loan payments for the car, etc., etc. He paid for the school. He sent me to China, Hong Kong. It was amazing. God did it. And I didn't have to worry, although I can honestly tell you I did. So God's love for us in these promises give us hope. Let's listen to some of these promises. And to do that, I want, here's what I want to do. Is I want to frame it. Because when I, when I think about, okay, how can I wrap this up and make this really practical? How do we, in the midst of worry, find a peace that passes all understanding? See, it's easy to talk about, but it's harder to do. So what do I do? What's the pragmatic thing that I can do? To begin to release worry in my life. I've found these areas are very, very important. The first one is presence. So write that one down. Presence. This is where we claim the presence of Jesus in our life. Joshua nine said, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So if I'm slowing things down in my life and I'm in presence of Christ. I'm saying, Lord, thank you. That I can be strong, I can be courageous, I can trust you in this, even though everything is screaming at me that it's not going to work out. I don't have to be discouraged, Lord, because I know you're here and you're at work in my life. Isaiah 41.10 Don't fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, as I sit in your presence today, I thank you that there's nothing I have to fear. That absolutely everything I need, you will provide. You will not lead me down a path of destruction. You're going to lead me down a path where you will uphold me and where I can walk in righteousness. Matthew 28:20. 20, Behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Lord, as I'm sitting here soaking in your presence today, I'm believing that you're coming back. And that's my hope, Lord. And I can trust you while I'm here on the earth because you're coming back. So presence and what you do in the presence of Christ will help you with your worry. Secondly, promises. Here's where the third, or the fourth point was, is the promises of God. So Psalm 37, 4-5, take delight in the Lord. Think about that. Take delight in the Lord. I, I love to uh, worship in movement. Um, when I'm by myself, I'm moving around, I'm raising my hands, I'm, I'm, I'm just charismatic. Um, and the odd time I go to a charismatic church, I feel really comfortable because I can release all this pent-up energy in my, in my life. But I just, I just talk to God and I, I just take delight in His presence in my life. And I'm so thankful that He saved me out of the life that He saved me out of when I was 19 years of age. And, and then He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him and He will do this. Commit yourself to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. My wife and I had some things come our way this past month where we really had to trust God for a miracle. And I mean a really, really, really big miracle. And He came through. He came through. Just like we knew He would. But we worried. But He came through. You know this one well, don't you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. This is the promises of God, you see. Isaiah 26.3, one of my favorites. He will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is steadfast on him. So what does worry do? It takes us away from focusing on what God is doing and what God wants to do. And worry takes us away from that. But he's saying if you fix your mind on God, focus on him. It'll come to pass. Then there's this concept of prayer. So we have, we have presence, we have his promises, and then the prayer part of it is very important. And I'll just read one verse of this. Psalm 55, 22, it says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, and what? Anybody know that verse? Cast your cares upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. What does sustain mean? He will hold you. He will hold you in the midst of whatever is happening. And then the last one is patience. So presence, promises, prayer, and then patience. Oh man, this is one I think we need more than anything. In fact, did you know that this is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit? Love, joy, patience, right? Psalm twenty-seven, fifteen: For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me upon a rock. Isaiah forty, thirty-one: But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will, not, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And I could go on and on and on. There are just so many verses talking about the power of prayer and trusting God and walking in his way. The last one here would be, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So whatever is going on in your life, if worry is there, I would give you a heartfelt challenge today to really check that worry at the door and say, you know, God, I really don't have to worry about this. I just have to bathe it in prayer and presence and trust your promises. And I have to be patient waiting for you to bring to pass what you've promised. Now some of us might not be around when God fulfills the promise. Because God doesn't set a time on it. He just says, trust me, believe me. And so that's what faith is. Faith is believing in what we don't see. Right? You ever hear of Archie Bunker? He, he said one time on a show, he said, faith is something that no one in their right mind believes in. He might be onto something there. Because in Christ we seem like we're out of our mind because we believe in things that are the impossible to humankind. Well, I hope you got something out of this today. Um, Let's pray. Thank You Lord for Your Word and uh, again as I prayed this morning that You would uh, take what You need to take and apply in each of our hearts and our minds. I know even afresh this morning, Lord, You pricked my heart in an area where I need to trust You more and so For this uh, group of uh, believers here today too, Lord help them to really get a glimpse of the worry that might be knocking on the door of their life and give them strength today to challenge that worry and to focus on you and I thank you in Jesus name, amen. One last thing I want to tell you that I forgot during my sermon. This is a technique that I use sometimes in therapy that really helps people. If you envision three circles, three concentric circles, an outside circle. An inner circle, and then another circle in the middle of that. It's like a target. The outside circle is no influence. The next circle is some influence, and the inner circle is control. So when things are happening in your life, if you ask yourself, Do I have any influence in this situation? And if you don't have any influence, get out of that circle because you'll. Just bang your head against the wall. You won't have any influence to change it. But if you have some influence, that's where you focus. And then if you have some control, that's where you really focus. So just a sidebar there to help you through your worry. Check what you're worrying about. If you don't have any influence on something, why worry about it? It's silly. But if you have some influence, then take steps to work towards changing it without the worry. Amen? Amen.
0: Thank you, Ross. I I always appreciate it when you come. Look forward to hearing what you have to say from God's Word. Our next one is You Are My All-in-All, which actually does really work together. Um, So let's stand and sing together. Is one that I want to send you home for the week with it's wonderful merciful Savior precious Redeemer and friend who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men and then the next verse is counselor comforter keeper spirit we long to embrace you offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way which is often what I worry and anxiety do so um, I pray that this song will ring in, it rang in my ahead all this week and um, hopefully it doesn't yours this next week.